by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Philippians 2.5 says you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Do you have that same attitude? Or you just got an attitude. <laughs> it's easy to get an attitude these days, isn't it? But no, it says you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. And before we leave today, I want to answer this one question. This is what we're building on today. This is what we're going to try to answer. How was Jesus hanging on our cross? able to say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Instead of whipping out a phone and saying, beam me up, Scotty, there's no intelligent life at all down here. How was he able? How did he have that attitude after they had just driven nails in his hands and his feet? So we're going to talk about that today. Y'all ready? I mean, if he could come into this world that he created and be rejected and still have a good attitude? <laughs> you know, he came down here just to tell us the truth, and we wanted to throw him off a cliff. <laughs> he had a good attitude about it. The more he loved us, the louder we shouted, crucify him. You're talking about somebody that could have had an attitude. <laughs> How did he not give up on this crazy world? You may ask yourself, how has he not given up on me so far? So that's the question we want to answer today. How do we not give up on each other? How do we not give up on our calling? How do we not lose focus in the midst of this whirlwind called life, called 2020? Amen? David wrote in Psalms 19, 14, he said, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart. What would you say another word is for the meditation of your heart? Thoughts. May the words of my mouth and my thoughts be pleasing to you, O Lord, my, my rock and my redeemer. Is that your heart? I believe it is. I, I don't think you would have come here today. You wouldn't made the effort to get up and put you some underarm deodorant on, I hope, and make it here today unless you, you wanted to be pleasing to God. You wanted your words to come out right, and you wanted your thought life to get back right. You know, in 1 Samuel chapter 30, there's a story about David. And him and his men, you know, they're off doing their mentally things, uh, raiding and off to war, the season of war, whatever. You know, men back then, <laughs> they weren't civilized like us folks. They were out doing their manly thing, and 
they were gone a couple of days, and they had set up a camp in a town called Ziglag. And when they came back to Ziglag, the Amalekites had snuck in, stolen their wives and their children, all their stuff, and hightailed it out of there and burned the city of Ziglag to the ground. And so here you are coming back from work one day, and you see the smoke on the horizon, and you realize it's your house. And, he, and they, the men come, their women are gone, their children are gone, their stuff is gone. And the Bible says that these grown men who had been off to war cried until they had no more tears left to give. This is a real situation that happened. This isn't just a Bible story, you understand. They had lost everything. The men were so upset that they wanted to stone David because he was the leader. What would you have done? If you were David, you lost, he lost two of his wives. <laughs> I don't know why he had two wives. One's enough. But... <laughs> don't be saying amen to that, Chad. <clears throat> you men folks need to know when to put your mask on. <laughs> Just mumble that under your breath. <laughs> don't say it out loud. <laughs> But that's sort of like, reminds me of 2019 compared to 2020. I left for work one day and I come back and it seemed like the house is burned down. Now everybody wants to kill me. What did I do? Some of you may have lost your job. Some of you may have lost your spouse. Feel like you have no connection with your kids. It's a crazy world right now. Turn to Proverbs Chapter 4, verse 23. You need what God is going to say to you today. Turn to Proverbs. This is going to be really the foundational scripture of today's message. Proverbs 4, verse 23. This is, this is what God wants to get across to you, to me. And when I, when I say me, I mean me. The things that I'm preaching are coming out of my own life experiences. Proverbs 4.20 says, Guard your heart above all else. Above all else that you can do right now, guard your heart. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 6, when it tells us to put on the whole armor of God, there's two pieces of armor guarding the heart. There's the breastplate of righteousness, knowing what's right and trying to act right and do God's will. And then there's the shield of faith that we talked about last week that's so vital in this time that we not lose our faith. It's protecting you. It says that sh the, the shield of faith shall protect you from those fiery darts. And what are those fiery darts? Thoughts that the devil is throwing at you. So he gives you two pieces of armor because you need to guard your heart Above all else. For it determines the course of your life. Where are you trying to get to? If you got a godly destination in mind, above all else, you need to be guarding your heart. Is that right? The King James says, for out of your heart flow the issues of life. Look at your neighbor. Say, so you got issues. 
<laughs> I can see them flowing right out of your heart. You got issues. Hey, I got issues too. We're all in this together, right? So that's why God's trying to speak to us this morning. And almost all of our issues are not external. See, that's where we focus. We think, oh, that bill is killing me. No, your mouth is just killing you. We're saying all these things, we're thinking that our problem is that person. No, it's your response to that person. Our, our, our issues are not external, they're internal. And so God is saying, guard your heart. You know, all around in society today, I see people who are more blessed than any generation that has ever lived on the face of the earth. The poorest among us here in America are like in the top 95% of the richest people in the world. But yet these people with everything are thankful for nothing. They're miserable and they're intent on making us miserable. It's proof that joy is not from without, it's from within. If you are going to survive and you're going to say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, and have the joy of the Lord and trade in your sorrows, trade in your pain and your shame and your sickness and your disease, you're going to, you're going to trade all that in. It's going to have to transpire from within. You can't buy your way out of the way you feel. Joy comes from within. We went on a vacation recently a couple weeks ago and went down to the beach, and everybody has those salt life stickers on the back of their car, salt life. I think I need a sticker that says thought life. But you know what they're really saying is, is when you come to the beach, your thinking changes because you, you stop dwelling on your issues. You're coming there to get away from, and your, your thought life changes while you're in the salt life. Isn't that what they're saying? So today we're talking about your thought life. Our thoughts are the bus on which we ride to the destination that that, that bus is going to. I mean, I say it all the time. If I wanted to, if I wanted to go to Nashville, I got to get on the bus to Nashville. I can't get on the bus to Detroit. As much as I want to go to Nashville, when I'm on the bus to Detroit, I'm going to Detroit. True? And your thought life is the bus that you're on. You want something different, but you got to change your thought life. Cain would not change his thought life. He was getting madder and madder at God. He was getting madder and madder at Abel. And God was warning him, you got to change the way you're thinking, Cain. Sin is crouching at the door, but he would not change his thought pattern, and he eventually acted on his thoughts. He became a murderer, and sin in, eventually pounced on Cain. And he became that which he could not stop thinking about. And every, every action, except for a few reactions, but every action that ever transpires in your life first became a thought in your mind before you did it, if you had time to think about it. So our thoughts become our actions. Some of you are not liking the way you're behaving right now. 
I'm not personally liking the way I've been behaving. It's because I've allowed my thoughts to go crazy with the world. And I'm telling you, God is saying, come back to me. You need to have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. So what do we do when we recognize? Well, that's the first thing. You, do, you have to recognize when a thought is not from God. I wrote this down. You recognize that a thought is coming that is not from God, one of those fiery darts. You reject it. You remove it. Then you redirect that thought. You replace that bad thought with a good thought. What happens if you don't replace it? Well, you just, so I'm not going to think about that. But if you don't replace it with something good, the devil throws it again. You'll find yourself still dwelling on that evil thought, that wicked thought, that dark thought that's leading you to Detroit. Nothing against Detroit. I just use that as an example. <laughs> every ill in your life, everything that is wrong with your life at this moment in time can be traced back to where you petted a lie until it came and set up camp on your porch and became your reality. What am I talking about? That's, we have to believe the truth and not the lie. And if there's something wrong in your life, if there's a sin, if there's... there's Recurring destruction that, uh, what do they call it? Uh, when, uh, 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 what is it when, they, okay, never mind. When things are going wrong, trace back and say, what am I thinking about that subject? Why do I keep doing that wrong thing? And you can trace it back to when you first believed that lie. Then correct it, remove it, replace it, reject it. And replace it with the truth. You have issues in your life. Look at your neighbor. <laughs> they do too. Look at me. I do too. We have issues. What we need to do is find out what the Word of God says and stop believing the lie that we once believed that has led us in that direction. Am I making sense? Some of our lies that we've believed were from when we were little kids. Somebody told us that you'll never be able to do this. You're ugly. You're this. You're not that. You won't be this. And we've just held on to those things. And we're grown folk now still believing that lie. And it's still holding us back from God's promises in our life. Our futures are held hostage by the highlight reels of our past failures that we keep replaying and replaying through our mind. We can't forgive others. Why? Because we keep replaying what they did to us. We said we forgive them, but then we sit and think, and then we get ourselves all worked right back up, and, and all of a sudden we need to forgive them again. And you wonder why you can't forgive yourself, because you can't forgive anybody else. Either we keep our eyes on Jesus, our ears open to his 
Spirit and what he is saying, or we sink into a storm of 80,000 toxic thoughts a day. What do I mean 80,000? It's estimated that you think 60 to 80,000 thoughts a day. That's exhausting. 60 to 80,000. I know because I counted them one day. <laughs> Had nothing else to do. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't, but so, apparently some expert did. But we think 60 to 80,000 thoughts a day. It's, I think it's kind of important on what we're thinking on, where we track our minds to. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I can hear those digital pages turning now. All right. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 and 5. It says, for the weapons of our warfare. Say warfare. Do y'all know we're at war? Do you know there's an enemy trying to kill you? For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Strongholds are those things, the, the, the defenses that the devil's built up in your mind and your, your way of thinking. This defensible positions that he holds on to that won't let you be free. But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of these strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God or the truth of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So we're at war. And what is the war about? thoughts we don't war against flesh and blood enemies but the war is for what you believe and God is telling you cast down every thought that's not from me that's how you win this war he said if you can only believe all things are possible I am the one who gives you the victory but you got to believe you can't believe the enemy and, and march to victory on my team. Bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Think like he does. Have the same attitude that Christ had. Have the same attitude. But how do I, you mean here in 2020? Well, I don't see you hanging from a cross having a good attitude. He had a good attitude on the cross. He can do it. We can have the same attitude. Proverbs 23, 26 says, Oh, my son, give me your heart. Say, give me your heart. That's what God wants. He's saying, Oh, my son, oh, my daughter, give me your heart. May your eyes take delight in following my ways. Say, give me your eyes. Proverbs, no, John 6, 63, Jesus said, the very words I have spoken are spirit 
and they are life. Jesus says, give me your ears. What does God want? He wants your heart. He wants your eyes. He wants your ears. Because they're all affecting. They're all protecting this heart. And out of it flow the issues of your life. The amount of life. God is life. The amount of life that you have is going to be the amount that you put in. Garbage in, garbage out. Jesus in, Jesus out. Eyes, ears, give me your heart, he's saying. Trust me with your life. It's how you take care of your soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. It's your part of the equation. It's your responsibility to take care of your soul. Anybody ever read that book, Wild at Heart, by uh, John Eldridge? came out many years ago. Life-changing book for me. It let me know that I could still be a man and be a Christian. Not have to be some sissy boy. Made me feel good about being wild at heart that God created us this way. For men to be men. Not what the world says that men should be. Anyway, I, I digress. I sent out uh, some quotes to our leadership this week from this man, John Eldridge. Uh, he was in, a, in an interview that I happened to, to see, and I sent out these quotes, and I thought I'd share them with you today. He said, when a Christian's thinking is primarily negative, anxious, or doubtful, it is a sign of a serious lack of faith. Remember last week, we talked about the importance of you getting back into faith. If you've allowed a negative attitude, if you're anxious, or if you're doubtful, it's a sign that you're losing your faith. Not saving faith, but just losing faith. Everything depends, he says, on the health of your soul. He said, the way I treat my heart and my soul is the way I will end up treating everyone else's. Isn't that what the Bible says? That you love others the way you love yourself. You want to be a more loving person, he asked? Care for your soul. You want to be more creative? Care for your soul. You want to make a difference in the world? Care for your soul. Let beauty back into your life and into your soul because it will heal you in ways you didn't know you even needed healing. And God is pleading with you today, let beauty back into your life. You've seen the destruction. You've seen the sorrow. You've seen the hatred and the division over and over. And we're playing it over and over on every media device. We're swiping our way into darkness. And God is saying, my church, let beauty back into your life. Take care of your soul. Or you'll, you'll become darkness. You know, when I, as, when I began to re, uh, concentrate on reaching out into this digital age, into these online people, and saw the importance of reaching people where they're at, I began to get on Facebook more often, post videos, all this stuff. But you got to be careful. You'll find yourself 45 minutes later saying, how did I get stuck watching all this? And it'll end up influencing you more than you're influencing it. 
You've got to watch over your soul. Let beauty back in your life. Yesterday afternoon, I just got on my motorcycle and rode. I rode down the country roads. Me and Angie often do it together. She was at work though last night, and I just drove by myself and looked at all the deer in the fields. Went down to the end of this road and saw this little Labrador puppy that's been abandoned down there. He won't come to me yet. Been a little beautiful dog down there. I'm going to bring him some food maybe this afternoon or something. But those kind of things bring beauty back into your soul. And I'll be honest with you. If you experience what your screen says America's like and then you go out into real life, they're two different things. I don't see the hatred and the division in my real life. I see it on the screen, and I think I'm being played. I know there's pockets of hatred and division that's being stirred up by this. But I know there's beauty, and I know there's love, and people still respect and honor and, and care for one another. And I refuse to let that tur turn me that direction. I want to turn to the beauty. Take care of your soul. Take care your eyes off the chatterbox and go for a walk. Turn to Philippians 4. I'm going to read verses 6 through 8. Paul says, don't worry about anything. He doesn't say, don't worry about the big stuff. He said, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. You see, replace. Replace the anxious thoughts for thoughts that give you comfort. Pray. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Could have started with that scripture. Right? That sums up everything I'm trying to say. Don't worry. Pray. Tell God and thank Him. That's the secret to having the same attitude Christ Jesus had. That's the secret to being like your master. Don't worry. I didn't see Jesus worried at any time. When they were about to throw him off the cliff, I didn't see him worried. He walked through the midst of them. Probably was whistling on the way. Don't worry. Pray. Tell God and be thankful. This world is not thankful. That ought to set us apart immediately when we begin to thank God and, and be thankful for the, the little blessings in our life. And, and if you began to sit down and write the blessings in your life, that pen will run out of ink long before you get to the first 1% of them in your life. If you really think about it. It says, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. Say, fix your thoughts. Why? Because they're broken. Fix your thoughts. He's saying, you want all this peace, you want all this joy, you want all this success, you want to be on the right bus heading towards your calling, fix your thoughts. They're broken. Fix your thoughts. On what is true, what is honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. 
pull the plug on the sources of those negative things in your life. You say it don't have a plug. It runs on battery. Yank the battery. What are the negative influences in your life? It may not be a screen. It may be a person. It may be an activity, a club that you belong to. What are the things putting darkness in your life? What are the things from the past still haunting your thought life that you hadn't replaced yet? Pull the plug. Whatever's poisoning your peace or jilting your joy, pull the plug. You know, King David, he was a man after God's own heart because because he wrestled with his thoughts. In the Psalms, as he was writing the songs down, sometimes the beginning of the song, I'm like, why'd they put that in the Bible? David, that's not, that's not even scriptural, but though it's scripture. I don't even understand it. You're blaming God. You're wanting to kill people. He's saying all this, the world sucks. <laughs> For lack of a better term. But he wrestles with his thoughts in the Psalms and God left it in there so that we could see that we wrestle. And by the end of the Psalm, he's saying, my God is going to supply. My God is big enough. My God is good. And he wrestled with his thoughts and he brought his thoughts back into obedience of Christ. In Psalms 43, 5, I can see David now when he said this. Why are you cast down, O my soul? He's probably looking in his shirt. Why are you cast down? He's asking himself a question. Why are you like this? Why are you mad today? Why is everything just getting on your nerves today? Why are you cast down, oh my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Quiet would do a lot of us a lot of good. Do you have to have a TV on? Do you have to have the radio on? Have you ever driven anywhere without some noise going on? Silence is beautiful sometimes for your soul. He says, why are you disquieted within me? Then he says, hope in God. For I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. You turn everything to, to a praise to God and the power comes down to overcome these dark and evil thoughts that are trying to plague our lives, to keep us in the wilderness, complaining, never entering into the promised land. Praise God. He is the help of my countenance. David was there and his, his men were wanting to stone him. His wife was gone. His other wife was gone. His children, all his stuff. He's sitting in the burned, charred ashes of what used to be the city he lived in. He could have said, well, just go ahead and stone me. I guess I don't have anything anyway. Just stone me. But David stirred himself up in the Lord. He stirred himself up enough to say, God, should I pursue? And God said, go get your stuff back. And he did. And he took the men with him. And if you'll stir yourself up, you'll find you're a leader of real men and women that are ready to take back the kingdom. And he went and got his stuff and his wife, and they were all alive. And he had more stuff than he had before. Now he's able to give spoil to everybody else. And before you know it, a couple of days later, they make him king of all Israel. 
The beginning of the week, he's sitting in a pile of charred ashes thinking everything is over. By the end of the week, he's sitting on the throne wearing a crown. Because he didn't go down with his thoughts. At the beginning of the week, Jesus is riding in on a donkey and they're laying palm branches and coats in front of him and saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. By the end of the week, he's hanging on a cross and they're shouting crucify. Life comes at you fast. But through it all, fix your thoughts on Jesus. Have the same attitude as Christ Jesus. Hebrews 12, 2 says he endured the cross. He, dis he disregarded the shame and he kept his joy. And you know how he did it? He set his mind on the prize and not the pain. He set his mind on the prize and not the pain. Now, I've never been a, a marathon runner, but I've run some three-mile things back in high school I told you about last week. I've run a little bit. I hate running. If you see me running now, I'm running from the cops or something. I ain't going to be just running for the fun of it. I'm running away from somebody, <laughs> okay? But, but I know enough to know I have felt the pain of my lungs feeling like they're about to explode. I have felt the pain of my legs feeling like they're going to give out the the. the pain in your side that says oh you got to quit now you got to quit but those marathon runners who finish their race run their course and receive the prize they don't think about the pain they run through the pain they get their second win God says yes yes press on press on look at the finish line stop looking at the pain look at the finish line this light affliction is but for a moment but it works for us a far greater weight of glory in the life to come look at the prize for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.